Data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. This is also edition number uh, 106 of Bubba and the Batflip. Uh, we are covering third base today. Not the deepest position this year, but definitely some intriguing uh, options um, at the hot corner. So um, hopefully you enjoy this review as you have the other ones. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. For those of you who uh, celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you don't, I hope you get some rest. Uh, over the holidays, you get to spend it with friends and family. Um, happy New Year to everybody. I hope hope everybody's doing well with family um, and friends uh, over this holiday season. Hopefully you're getting some hot chocolate or um, some good food, some desserts and stuff like that. Um, as always, really appreciate you listening. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can reach Bubba on Twitter at BDNTrek. If you feel like you're in the holiday season and you're in the giving season and you want to leave a rating and review for us, um, we'd really appreciate that. Um, just go to Apple uh, Apple Podcasts or your po- your preferred podcast platform. I hear that Spotify now has reviews. So if you listen to Spotify, feel free to head on over there. All right, that's enough of the intro. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 106, continuing our trip around the diamond in the third base position this week to uh, keep reviewing slash previewing the positions for your 2022 fantasy baseball season. It is the position that everyone talks about being the worst position potentially in baseball. So uh, at least for fantasy baseball. So we'll try to make it as fun as possible. we got some good listener questions as always. If you want to jump in the uh, the stream and drop some questions, you're more than welcome to as well as as usual. But before we get into it, the housekeeping notes. I am on Twitter at BDintrick, and my co-host is always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, my friend? We're good, Bubba. Happy holidays to everybody who's listening to this on um, probably Christmas Eve or day after Christmas, Christmas hopefully. Or yeah. day after Christmas, yeah. or you know, whenever you're you're uh, listening to it, we hope you are having a very happy holidays, and we decided to celebrate by going through the dregs of third base for you. So, so there's that. Yeah, hey, I have a feeling this is going to go well because I know people don't care about download numbers, so I'm not going to give specific numbers. But out of all of our position previews, Catcher has my most listens. So, oh really? It made me laugh so hard. Like it's just, mm. I don't know what what yours looks like, but maybe maybe the worse the position, sure the more not. they want to hear. I don't know, but uh, it it makes Man, me we're laugh. Get a ton of third base then. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I hope everybody has a happy holidays. It's a uh, wild time of year you know where toby and i are in california we are separate but weather's crazy he's getting tons of snow Mm -hmm. i'm getting tons of rain uh i don't know you probably didn't see it but uh, on in san luis obispo there was a clogged drain off that's like an hour south of me maddie wood for those who want to know lived lives down there um there was a clogged drain on the freeway and it was raining so much there was over a foot of water that closed down both sides of the freeway really 
yeah, like I it wow. was going to go through town to go around this area. So the weather's it's wild right now in California because we're not used to this. But uh, yeah, hope everybody else is staying safe. I know it's kind of going throughout the country, goods and bads and everything else. But uh, let's have some fun here. Let's talk about third base. I have a feeling we'll go on to some other sidetracked things from time to time. Maybe talk of desserts for Christmas or something. Because I know oh, Toby's. Of I know Toby could uh, do. Uh, just about the weather. We've got 90%. I mean, it's pouring today. 90% rain Friday, 100% rain and snow Saturday, 100% snow Sunday, 100% snow Monday, 40% snow Tuesday, 40% snow Wednesday. First sun is on Thursday of next week. Now, this is California, people, which is great. I mean, we had a great. terrible we need it. We need it so bad. So it's season like... last year, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, it kind of stinks because it's like the traveling season for the holidays and everything. So it's kind of makes it a little, little more complicated, but I'm like, I don't care right now. Just bring it, just bring it. Like, let's do it. Like, I'd rather go outside with the family and do stuff, but Hey, we'll, we'll sit inside and watch like a Christmas vacation or something. It'll be just fine, but uh, we'll have a good time and we'll have a great time talking third base. So let's do it as for those keeping track at home, as usual, we go through the Rasball player Raider. We go in the order of dollars earned basically because that's where we get some surprises when we, when we talk avp you know things will change because people think bounce backs and whatnot but these are what happened last year this is like and we've had some big surprises in other positions that kind of open our eyes so we'll do this as usual and we're using the nfbc adp for draft champions dating back to november 23rd so the last month of drafts if anybody's curious to follow along at home it's 18 drafts that have been in the books so it kind of gives you a fresh uh sense of adp but we don't have to talk about the first guy because we talked about it at first base. But Vlad Guerrero Jr., because we are using Yahoo 15 teams, so he's not going to be third base eligible on NFBC. But he was first base, third base in Yahoo. He led the way. So that's pretty simple. Um, we go to the next one here. The first third baseman off the board, this is a fun question. We got a question later in the podcast about this from a listener. Is J-Ram, Jose Ramirez, earned you $51. And if you want to know just how good J-Ram is, because, you know, those in the know know how good J-Ram is, but there's some that still kind of wonder, is he a top pick? And that's why we have a question coming up about th this situation later. J-Ram had 36 home runs last year, stole 27 bases, and hit 266, which some might drag on about, but over 100 runs, over 100 RBIs. And on the Rasball Player Raider, he earned $50.80, which was only $4 less than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was people were pounding the desk for MVP. So I know you don't use war. You don't want to use dollars earned potentially. But if you look at the, what we care about, he was almost equal to Vlad Guerrero Jr., except he stole a bunch of bases, which we love. So what's your thoughts on him, Toby? Yeah, it's kind of like with Vlad, you get the batting average without the stolen bases. And then with, with Jose Ramirez, you get you know the stolen bases without necessarily the batting average. Um, I don't know if there's a ton to say. I mean, he's he's absolutely fantastic. You know, in three of the last four years, he's gone 2020. The last three full years, he was well on his way to doing that um, uh, in in 2020, going 2020 in 2020, uh, except for the shortened season. You know, I think the only thing with 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 J Ram is the batting average. You know, I don't think it's it's going to be high. It can be a little bit misleading, I think, because people might look at the Babbitt and say, oh, you know, he had a 256 Babbitt last year. It should be better. But if you look at his two previous full seasons, he's at 256, 252. He's never been a really high Babbitt guy since he started elevating the ball more, um, which really started taking place in 2018. Before that, he had a higher ground ball percentage. So a little bit higher batting average, but not necessarily the same power. Um, he's obviously got the power. He's got the speed. He's got everything you need. Ooh, 
He's got the power. He's got the speed. He's got everything you need. It's Dre Ram. It's J Ram. Um, so yeah, that's J Ram is great. I think he's great. I have no problem with him going anywhere in a draft. Yeah, and it'll be an easy, I think, answer to the question when we get to it later, but I'll give an example of a few I've been in and I've seen the answer to that question, and I don't care because he is that good. And it's one of those things we talked about in years past, like at second base when it used to be like second base is better this year, as we've talked about, and in years past, but like four or five years ago, second base sucked. Like it wasn't great, and you that made you elevate like Jose Altuve's at the time. He stole bases and everything. Like he, he was like a mid-first-round pick at times and people nowadays would look at that and go whoa but that also kind of goes back to the point when we talk about him now going in like round nine or ten it's like still pretty good value like you don't get the steals but the dude still rake well with jram it's a bad position and as we go through the players here it drops off very quickly and then we look at adp there's a reason that like four guys go so fast and then it just because you need to if you are comfortable aren't comfortable basically it's like how do you want to draft jram gives you everything he gives you everything and even in a world like you were saying the the uh, the average might not be great, but averages aren't great anymore. Like two fifty five, still very very good. That's probably like, you might remember. I don't remember off the top of my head. Like the top like eightieth percentile of batting averages to like win in the NFC was what two sixty five, two seventy, give or take. I don't know. I'm just off the top of my head. It might have yeah. been lower. I don't know. But he's not killing you. Maybe, yeah, maybe so he's not percentile. killing you. He's not killing you yeah. by any means, which is great. And those steals from the third base position is just great. So, yeah, I don't need to say too much more. The dude's awesome. Um, like you said, I'll save the answer for later, but I don't care where you take him either in the draft. Like he's – there's arguments to be made. Just That scarcity alone, if you believe in positional scarcity, brings him to a, a new level. Uh, the third third baseman off the board are um, – according to the player Raider, and second off the board behind J-Ram, Rafael Devers, he got you – about $39.30. So you had $11.50 less than J-Ram. That's another reason to look at how good Jose Ramirez is at the position. And Jose's only 29. But Rafael Devers is a, a, a specimen of his own. He's only 20, 25. He, I think there's still another level to him potentially, which is crazy to think about. 38 home runs last year, 101 runs, 113 ribbies, five stolen bases, hit 279. Um, maybe the average drops a little bit, but I think you're still getting 260 to 270 more often than not. But the power's legit, and he sneaks in a few stolen bases, which is nice. In the middle of the order, he's going to play a ton. Again, not too much to say. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's one guy who last year I was like, I know he's going to be really good. I know he's going to be really good. And I didn't end up getting him anywhere, which which was really disappointing. But he's yeah he's great i mean when i look at what he did last year i actually think there's a little bit of room for growth with the batting average you know he did hit 279 he had 263 the previous year but when you look at the babbitt that was at 307 last year 317 throughout his career he did lower the ground ball rate to 41 percent. so that might be uh, one of the reasons why um the 38 home runs the five stolen bases is huge he's in fenway he's in a good um He's in a good hitting lineup. I mean, I think he's going to be really good. Some improvements, like the O-swing, he's dropped it considerably from where he'd been the pre- two previous se- seasons, so he's being more selective. The contact rate increased, too, to previous levels, you know, where it's right around league average, which is great for him, especially because he's a really he's a really aggressive guy, even with an improved O-swing. And so, you know, he can handle a little bit higher of a swinging strike rate than maybe a normal batter because he's swinging at such a high percentage 
you know, of pitches. Um, all the batted ball quality data is nice. You know, um, the barrels, you have the highest, highest barrel rate. That might be an area I think where maybe you see a little bit of a decline, although he is what he's 25. So he's still super young. So maybe you don't, uh, but 15% barrel rate. It's fantastic. You know, all of the exit velocity stuff looks really good. Actually seems like he got unlucky from the expected stats as well. So yeah, I got no problem with that with Devers. You know, again, like always, the only issue is not a ton of speed and you're drafting him pretty early in drafts. So you just have to think about that as you build out your roster. That's my hardest part with him. And I've taken him in a couple NFC 50s in the second round. Like I've, I've gone there with him just because I'd rather get third base out of the way. And I've started to do a few drafts to try to wait on third base and see how it feels type situation. But because he does so much, but the stolen bases, he's not going to get you more. You might get you 10 if you're lucky. Like it's more like five to eight, which we've seen perennially. And you can build around that. But like you just said, Toby, is you got to kind of make a point in your draft. Now, if you go get like Trey Turner in the first round or one of those guys or Bichette, heck yeah, go grab, go grab Devers and pair that combo up and have a great time. That's awesome. But just know like if you go, you know, Garrett Cole, and then you go Rafael Devers, you might have a little bit of work to do. So it, it's definitely a draft strategy to know that you're uh, you're taking Devers. But we saw him on many winning teams last year, so it's not impossible. So you can definitely get some Devers. The third third baseman we will chat about this evening, Manny Machado, coming in at $27.50, just behind Rafael Devers. We've talked about a 29-year-old, a 25-year-old, and another 29-year-old. So the position is still very young. The thing with Machado, the power, it's been there pretty much every single year. His first year without 30 home runs in a full baseball season since 2014, which, again, wasn't his full baseball season, but 82 games. I'm not too worried about that. The, the thing with him is he stole 12 bags, which is great. But like back in 19, he stole five. Then he had 14 and 18. Then he had 9-0. If you get the steals, you're in business with Machado. Everything else checks out. He'll get you runs. He'll get you RBIs. He actually hits for very good average compared to these other guys we already talked about. It's just a matter of, is he going to steal bases? And that's the that's the uh, the gamble you're taking when you pick him. But he's he's been good, and I think another year in San Diego is just going to make him better to me. But we'll see how that works out. Yeah, he's not even thirty either. I mean, that's yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with Machado, he's so solid. I ha- I drafted him in a number of places last year. He's just he's solid across the board, like you mentioned. I mean, he's not necessarily spectacular in any one thing. The one thing I'll say is that he was definitely, he definitely underperformed on home runs last year. You know, he had 28 home runs despite having his season, his career high at 13.3% barrel percentage. He had 63 barrels and only 28 home runs. So left him fit less than 50% of his barrels went for home runs. He had his highest max exit below at 119.6 last year. Um, everything is just so good for him. He also underperformed according to expected you know, batting average, which, you know, we don't pay that much attention to, or I don't pay that much attention to, but 294 expected BA um, is pretty fantastic. So there's that. I mean, there's really nothing to like quibble with. Again, 14.6% home run per fly ball was the lowest of his entire career outside of 2013 when he had a bizarre 7.9% home run per fly ball. All of the metrics are wonderful. And with the speed, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of a question mark of speed. But if you look at the last four years, in 2018, he had 14 stolen bases. In 2020, he had six, but that was the shortened season. So he was on pace for closer to like, you know, 15, something like that. Um, Yeah. And then, um, well, it'll be more than 12 or 13 because it's six in 254 play appearances. 
and then he got 12 last year. So he's really been double digit stolen bases over a course of a full season in three of the last four. So that steamer projection at 10 seems reasonable. Uh, you could definitely see a situation where he ends up being higher than that. Um, and he also, if I remember correctly, he didn't run much in the second half last year. I think probably because the, potentially because of um, the Padres just faded so hard. Um, and let me just confirm that I'm not making up lies. Uh, yeah, nine stolen bases in the first half, only three in four attempts in the second half. Um, so, I yeah. That, I wonder if that coincided with Tatis going down. I'm wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could be. And I know, like, he was – I feel like he was battling injuries last year. I remember a Dodgers game specifically. It went to extra innings where he got injured and he stayed in and he stole a couple bases in, in extra innings. But he just didn't look right, and I feel like he slumped after that. I don't have that in front of me, but um, I really – that's this is all a long way of saying. I think Machado is super solid, and he contributes across the board. He's got – a really high ceiling. He's got a really high floor. And those are the types of guys, especially in the second round, when you start to get a few more questions about some of the guys that are going there, you get some hype guys from last year or some overperformers from last year. So I love Machado. Yeah. Machado's a guy going around pick 24, gone as low as 37, which would be outstanding. Like if I could somehow skip on, uh, say I miss Jerry. I'm not skip Jerry because he's pretty much my guy after like the first three or four picks. But if I miss on JRAM and I can afford to skip Devers to get Machado, I'm pretty interested in that scenario because as much as I love Devers, I think maybe you get five to ten fewer homers, but the stolen base difference could potentially be a big difference for me because mm-hmm. I value steals so high and I know others do. Some think it's crazy, like you can make it work. Who knows? But I think that's a philosophy I want to keep trying to instill is, okay, if you can't get JRAM circled to Machado, don't force Devers. That's kind of the angle I want to – Maybe start looking at some more, but um, yeah, I'm with you on Machado. The dude's freaking good. Really, really, really good. I also, I just want to say, I love him as a player. I like, he's one of my favorite players in all of baseball. Just watching him play. I mean, when you have him on your fantasy team, it helps. It helps but like, just watching him play, he's just so much fun to watch. He's he's just got, he's incredible. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. He looks great in that jersey, too. God, that Padres, whole, the whole giddy up of the Padres is just yeah. So fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, digressing. Ones, those newer ones they rolled out last year. Definitely a good look for Machado and Tatis and company. Definitely a, a yeah. fun look for those guys. Uh, the next third baseman off the board, Austin Reich. We're staying young. He'll be 25 on opening day, basically, this next year. Uh, he earned you $33.70. But unlike the previous names, there is at least some caution to be talked about with Riley. Like the power is legit. We always knew the power was legit. That was never a question with Austin Riley. It was always swing and miss, which. He's done better each of the last, even if he's the short and 20 season and last season has been phenomenal, like much, much better than we saw in previous years and in the minors. But the Babbitt was through the roof and that led most likely to his high batting average. And the question is, is that going to be sustainable this year with Austin? But he's so young. It's one of those. Do you take the chance that he made changes? It's very possible because he is so young. He could have made some changes at the same time. It's quite the jump, quite the jump. So it's going to be tough to, to keep that going. So what's your take on Austin Riley from the last season? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for Riley, the Babbitt certainly jumps out. But I think the question is, what does he regress to? I don't think he's a 300 hitter, but Steamer has him at 274. I could certainly see a situation where... Yeah, as hard as he hits two, the ball, it's very possible, yeah. Two, 275, 280, which is spectacular, yeah. you know, in today's today's game. 
uh, he's in, he's improved. Like every single year, you see his O swing has decreased in two consecutive years. It's still not elite, but it's getting better at 34.6%. The contact rate has improved both seasons as well, 73.9% in this most recent season. So pretty close to league average. So that K rate is not, is not an anomaly at 25%. Batted ball quality, highest max exit velocity, his barrels, you know, 57 barrels, 13.3%. You know, again, that's, you know, it's all, it's all great. And he hit 33 home runs. So that's right in line with what he should have about with what he should have had. And that's what steamer actually projects him for. I'm actually interested to see how he progressed over the course of the season. Cause I know he started off a little bit um, slower. He had a monster would, tear later in the year. Insane. Yeah. And I would just wonder if, um, if some of the things like the ground ball went down and the, and that hard hit rate went up a little bit. So maybe the ground ball rate going down compared to earlier in the year helped out a little bit, but it's right in line with his three year average. The contact last year was just way better than it had been previously. So he was seeing the ball better. So, I mean, you know, I, I think Riley's the type of guy who people are, are probably going to look at and say like, uh, you know, uh, he's probably going to be worse than he was last year because you know he got a little bit lucky. And I think that's just a situation where you have to ask yourself, okay, he got a little bit lucky, but if he doesn't get lucky, if he, if he hits to his true talent, true talent level, what exactly does, is that? And I think that's a pretty, that's a very good player, you know, with a plus batting average, plus power, he's going to have plus runs in RBI, you know, in that lineup, probably hitting up pretty high. I mean, even if Freddie Freeman leaves, you know, chances are that Riley's the guy there and hitting in the three spot, if that's the case. And so that's another just great situation to be in. And if Freeman's still there, you know, he's hitting, he's hitting cleanup. So this is all a long way of saying, I think Riley is pretty solid. You know, I've got to look at the ADP and kind of see what the projection has him at. He doesn't have any speed, but, but yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. I mean like what um, my projection spreadsheet would have him at. Cause I imagine he's a guy who's like right around there or maybe a little bit after that. So solid for sure. Yeah, he'll be interesting, most definitely. We'll skip over Mance, Max Muncy, who we talked about at the first base show, uh, as he had. Can we, can we call him Mance Mun- Munsky though? We should. That sounds that sounds better. We should call him. We should call him. I have no. Um, I need to have UCL surgery, Muncy. That's what we should yeah. call him. So he's going to be a just a no go for me, dog, all season. I can't do it. But um, the next man yeah, on the list, Nolan, <laughs> Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado, $23.70. And first year out of Colorado, power is still there at 34 home runs, which, yes, it's the lowest he's had since 2014, but still 34, pretty darn good. He basically checked the boxes in most categories, didn't score as many runs as usual in Colorado. That's more, I think, the whole St. Louis offense in general. And then the average was down compared to usual, but was the same as basically 2020. So I think you're still getting a very good hitter, and unlike Colorado years, you're not paying the, the Colorado tax to draft him, which makes it much more appealing. But for 2021, I'd say for all the concerns people had about him leaving Colorado, I wouldn't be super worried. What about you? Yeah, he's uh, – is interesting. I actually – I saw a really cool tweet um, recently, and I can't remember who it was, but they were essentially saying based on batted ball spin – who are the players that are helped the most and who are the players that are hurt the most? Did you see that tweet? No, I did not. Um, and it actually had Arenado and Bregman were two of the guys that were helped the most. And one of the reasons I think I heard speculate, and this might've been an, Eno you know, article that I, that I read, 
I can't remember, but was essentially like guys who pull the ball more, pulled fly balls fly truer. And so like there's further distance than you might anticipate with similarly hit batted balls. I think I saw something along this line. Now, I remember the Bregman part. People are saying how he's not as unlucky as people think because it's the way he hits the baseball. Yeah. And so Arenado and Bregman are two guys that consistently pull their fly balls a lot. So if you look at Arenado, you might be like, oh, well, like, like he's not a big barrel guy. You know, he had 6.7 last year. He had 34 total. He's never had more than 43 in any season. So he's had 235 barrels in his life and he's had 269 home runs. So it's not like a one season anomaly that he's got more home runs than he had barrels. It's just something that Arenado, it's a skill that Arenado possesses, probably because he pulls a, a crap ton of, of fly balls. So like essentially just reemphasizing what you said, I think the concern with Arenado is the batting average, but he plays every single day. He plays all the time. The, the Cardinals lineup is fine. Like the park sucks, but he pulls fly balls. So they go for home runs. So I think we're expecting a similar line to what he had last year is, is a totally, is a totally reasonable thing is what I would say. Especially at pick 81. Now, like you're not having to break the bank for him, which is, so, so nice to see when it comes to Arenado. And it's one of those things like we talked about, I think is more first base than other positions. He's consistent. Like, like you can feel pretty confident. All things considered, you're going to get this number. Like, it's so nice. And so it sounds so silly, but it's so nice just to have a guy you can plug in and just leave alone. Just go. When he slumps, I'm not worried because he's going to get it back from me later. It's not one of those guys that you have to be like, do I have to drop him? Is like he this bad now? No, just keep playing him. Just keep playing him. Don't even worry about the position. As long as he's not hurt, you're good. There's a lot to be said about that, I think, with this ever-evolving world of, um, of fantasy baseball. So it's, it's a pretty nice pick to have at that point. It's pretty crazy if you look at ADPs, Toby. You could potentially, like, you know, go pitchers or go some young studs or whatever early, get some outfielders if you want, and then go, like, Arenado and Altuve back-to-back, two kind of boring guys that don't get you a ton of stolen bases but will be so steady in other spots of your lineup that you can kind of be like, okay, they're consistently going to crush in these, like, other four categories or so, which is – I know there's no steals. It's kind of tough grabbing two non-steal guys that early, but I think there's something to be say. If you draft steals properly, that's a nice little base to have there. So it's it's an interesting idea when you kind of plan out your draft for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll skip Tommy Edmond as we've talked about him, but this shows you the, the depth of the third base position. He's eighth at third base in earnings, which I I can't remember off the top of my head of what he was at second base, but I'm pretty sure it was like 15th-ish. No, maybe like 11th or 12th. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't top 10. Let's put it that way. So it shows you what's going on here. But we will move on to uh, the little leprechaun, as I call him, because I'm a Giants fan. And he um, seems to have good fortune against us all the time. And his name is Justin Turner. He is a heck of a ball player. But we've had Arenado was the oldest third baseman we've talked about so far. He's 30 years old. Justin Turner is 37. We have hit a new realm of ball players here. He's earned you almost $22 last year. He played in... Um, 151 games, which was his best since 2016, and only the second time in his career he's played over 135 games. That's always a concern for me with Justin Turner, is playing actual baseball. But he hits for average when he plays, hits for power. If he's out there, it's great. Great ball club. He's another kind of safe guy. Not going to get you stolen bases, but he's gonna when he's playing, it's great. Problem with him is, we talked about it in other shows, Toby, and a lot of, lot of really good people have talked about it. You need at-bats. You need playing time. With Justin Turner, it's tricky because it's not just, you know, filling in when he's injured. He gets days off. So you have to keep him out there. 
And that's the conundrum I think I have with Justin Turner. What's your thoughts on his 2021 season, which still in the end, pretty darn good. Yeah, it was, it was a really strong season. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if there's much to add. I mean, everything kind of adds up when you look at the line. You know, the plate skills are really good. They have been for a long time. He makes a ton of contact, doesn't strike out, walks at a decent clip. As a result, he hits for good average. You know, the power was pretty good. Um, you know, he's not like an elite power guy for sure, but like 27 in his last two full seasons, 17% home run per fly ball, then a 14% home run per fly ball. Um, you know, uh, he had the highest max exit velo he's ever had last year as well. Barrels were fine, you know, consistent with their, with his career average. So I think he's totally fine. It's just a matter of, again, like he played a full season last year and then, he had 580 plate appearances, you know, in the, the in the last full season that we had in 2019. So he certainly takes some time off, but it's not that much time. So I think it's just a matter, as you articulated, of determining what your preferred risk level is, knowing that he's not going to be like a 660 plate appearance, 650 plate appearance guy. But you can certainly live with with the profile that he brings. Definitely. And the good thing about Justin Turner, we just talked about how much he brought back. He was the ninth third baseman and in, in NFBC he's probably like the sixth third baseman. So a lot of those guys don't qualify at third. He's right now in ADP is the 14th off the board at 175. All these other guys we talked about are like top 70 ish, 80 picks. You're getting them a hundred picks later. So there's something to be said about that as well. When, when you're looking at things, that's why I said it's consistent. You, you, you pretty much know what you're going to get from Justin Turner. It's just a matter of, how much do you get him out there, Justin Turner? That's the that's the fun with him. Uh, one, one interesting thing, I know this isn't a preview podcast, no, that's fine. Cool. but just a little nugget. So I was just looking at my projection spreadsheet, and I haven't updated this in the last couple of weeks, so it's probably a little different than it has been in the past. But when I look at the third baseman, in the first one, two, three, four, five, six, the first six third basemen in my spreadsheet, not of the guys that we cover, but in my spreadsheet, they can be marked as third base when they play other positions, but all of them are negative values according to the spreadsheet based on their projection. So, and only like one, two out of the first like 15 guys are actually values according to the projections. And so what that tells me is that people are artificially in inflating the, the cost or the ADP of these third base guys because they're worried about filling the position. And so I just say that because it's interesting because you can choose to maybe take a guy earlier than he should go to make sure that you have a good third baseman. Or if, if you can find some good value later on perceived value, I guess I should say later on in the draft at that position, I think it could be, it could be really nice. I feel you there. And Turner could be that guy. Yeah, and that's kind of. I didn't check to see if he's if an actual value. He's he's not, but. Yeah, that, that, and I wonder. Yeah, because the projections I think project him for the playing time situation that could be an issue at times. Um, the next third baseman off the board is Chris Bryant. He has multi position eligibility. We skipped him at first base. We'll talk about him here. We'll leave him off the outfield, but we'll talk about him here. We have to talk about Chris Bryant. I mean, honestly, I really don't want to. Like as much as I enjoyed him being a giant. He's still a gigantic headache in fantasy. I've passed on him in every draft, and he falls. And some guys always take him. Like, he still has an ADP inside the top 100 right now. But, you know, he go, he's gone outside the, the top 100. He's just a 
he's a conundrum and he's a tough one for me, especially not knowing where he's going to play. That's a big one for me just because I think it will affect him a bit. But 25 homers, 10 stolen bases, hit 265. Like the numbers aren't bad, but you still got to pay for it. Like I said with Turner, you can get Turner 70 to 80 picks after Chris Bryant and get a similar line um, and not have to worry about it as much. So Bryant gives the multi-position part, which you like. Like he's he's a good ball player. It's just the consistency with him, even when he was on the Giants, it was tough at times watching him play ball. It's just it's it's tricky. So I don't know. I know you've all you've been an anti Bryant guy for a long time, and I haven't really been a C Bryant guy. But uh, I'll take a change after this. Yeah, I mean, I think Bryant he's fine. I would definitely not draft him where he's going um, at the moment. Um, I think that you know, I think everything in the profile looks fine to me. Um, you know, the batting average is decent. The home runs, the power is decent. You know, the speed, I think, is the thing that really jumps out. But at the same time, you look at the 10 stolen bases, and the last time he had that many stolen bases was in 2015. So you can see why the steamer projection at seven is what it is. And maybe, if we're being honest, is a little high, honestly. Uh, you have 10. He had zero last year. He had four the year before that. He had two the year before that. He had seven the year before that. You know, and he's now, he's almost 30, right? So the speed isn't necessarily going up. Maybe he's becoming a better base dealer. Um, you know, 10.3% barrel rate is, is solid. One of the higher uh, of his career. Um, 39 barrels total for those 23 home runs. So it all, all, everything in the profile looks fine, I think. You know, it looks fine, but it's just, I feel like the, it's weird to say it, but I feel like the ceiling is a little capped on Brian. Yes. Like, yeah. I just don't, you know, I just don't got, yeah. It just doesn't wow me anywhere. But I also have a long, a long, a long standing bias against him. So. But, but like, that's the thing is if you're drafting leagues, Sure, you could draft the safe guys like I mentioned with Arenado or Altuve, but we know what their ceiling is, and that's still higher than than Bryant. Where Bryant, like, and you and you could see Arenado or Altuve running great, and their ninetieth percentile like being awesome. Where Bryant, I don't know if like what we've seen pretty much for the most part is much different than his ninetieth percentile. Like you might have a little bump, but I don't feel like we're getting MVP Chris Bryant anytime soon. It just doesn't feel that way. Could he prove us wrong? Sure, he's done it before. Like they say, if you've shown a trait before, you can potentially show it again. But it's it's tough. It's really tough to to, to buy into. And I'm with you because I like you've you've preached it on this show for a few years now, and it's uh it's been tricky, it's been tricky for sure. Part of me would love him to prove us wrong. I really would because he's a fun ball player. But it's um it's tough. Very very tough. I just really hope the Mariners don't sign him. They were rumored to sign him. And I was right like, before the strut, yeah. Come on, like, come on. If you're going to spend your money with that young core, spend it on somebody good. Hey, go bring go bring Kyle Seager back to play third if you're desperate that much. Like, you could you, Just go do that. Make it easy. Um, we'll skip Yuli Gurriel because we talked about him at first base, and he only has He's eligibility. On, on, yeah, and to, Toby loves him, so we're good. But the next guy we'll talk about is Ryan McMahon. He's first base, third base on – um, NFBC, and I'm pretty sure we didn't talk about him on the earlier show. Could be wrong. Did, yeah. yeah, so we, we can hit, fit him in here. And this is kind of a, a thing, okay? So played 151 games, 23 homers, six stolen bases, hit 254. He goes about 80-ish picks behind Chris Bryant. And I don't think we've seen Ryan McMahon's ceiling yet, especially in Colorado. 
if I'm debating between like a Bryant and McMahon, that's not what we're doing on this show. Obviously, it's not player debates, but I'd rather take my chances on a Ryan McMahon personally than a Chris Bryant when we talk about things because I like what we've seen develop from playing time from Ryan McMahon and with Story leaving town and out and Arenado leaving town and maybe some other guys. This the playing times are going to be more and more stable, which is outstanding with Ryan McMahon. So I loved what we saw last year from him, and I think it's. It's almost a base that you could get from him as long as he plays, and I think there's more to come. So I'm a big fan of Ryan McMahon. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he, he, the Brian Pump is a really good one, I think, because and it just shows you like where you have decision points and drafts that can really maybe help you out a lot or hurt you. Um, with McMahon, like there's some interesting stuff going on. Um, you know, he cut his strikeout rate considerably from pre- previous seasons. His Contact rate was the highest it had been since his abbreviated, his 24 plate appearance rookie season in 2017. So really the highest of his career. The O swing has always been really like right around league average, slightly better than league average. So like really solid there. Um, The home runs, he hit 23 home runs, only 28 barrels. Nothing really like jumps out. Like the stat cast data is, is perfectly fine, but we also know that he's in cores I think the area where, you know, you could see some progress for sure is with that batting average. So he hit 254 this year. He had a career low in ground ball rate at 38.5%. So my guess is that it was a 12% uh, decrease from the previous two seasons. So my guess is that that ground ball rate is going to go up next year. It'll be in like the mid forties range, maybe something like that. I think that's probably, that's just a huge jump down. And while that may impact his power slightly, you know, I do think that that could increase the batting average, which I think could make him a really good asset. Like when you think about on your team, like if he can get that batting average up, you know, in the 270 range, uh, he can get those stolen bases at five. He can hit you 20 home runs. He's going to be in the middle of that lineup. He's going to be one of the centerpieces of that lineup, you know, next year, which, you know, makes you kind of gag, but that's the way it is. So again, like you mentioned, you're looking at a guy who had, who will probably have relatively similar numbers to, Chris Bryant, you know, where we haven't seen that, that upside necessarily hit. Um, and so, and he's still relatively young and he's in cores. So I think there's a lot of things, reasons to, to be interested there as well as, I don't know what his position eligibility is heading in. First, first base, year. third base. First base, third base. Which oh, is no, sorry, sorry. Sec, sorry. Second base. Third second, base. third base. Yeah. So that's, which is that's, awesome. So that's really nice. Mid, yeah. minute, middle infield, corner infield. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's not a preview episode. So, that's what my review. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And what's fun is we're gonna talk about a couple more guys on this Rasball Player Raider. But the reason why I keep like we keep we keep joking like this isn't a preview, it's a review because we're going through the Player Raider. There's I just went through the ADP. There's a lot of the big names that aren't going to be discussed tonight. A lot of them yeah. because as you slide down the Player Raider, they made less than five bucks or negative dollars. And that's what's really Albert Domondesi. You don't we don't get to talk about Albert. No, not Mondesi. No Matt no, Chapman. No, no, Matt Rind- yeah. no, no Chapman. No Rendon. No Moncada. No Cabrian Hayes. All these guys people love. All less than five dollars. So, it, it, I guess what it could say before we talk about these last two guys is the third base position might be ugly, but what we could what we're seeing here, and obviously what they did last year is not what they're always going to do next year, especially the deeper guys that overachieve potentially. But I guess it does show there might be some sneaky depth if you play the cards right. It might not feel comfortable in a draft. You might have to bob and weave. But there, 
Like we talked to McMahon, he can get like at 170. This next guy's coming up at pick 190. Um, there's a bunch of other guys like Kyle Seeger finished 15th, and that's including guys like Ty Francis there, um, Gene Segura, who somehow has third base, IKF, Kyle Farmer. Like these guys all outproduce those names we talked about. But it goes to show you, I guess, the depth at the position if you play it right based on your format of what you got going on. But the next player is the 14th on the player rater here at third base. He made $15 this past season. That's Eduardo Escobar. And I've kind of been a, a fan of Escobar's in recent years in Arizona, especially once he kind of got regular playing time. He's good in Minnesota right before he moved on. Like that's what kind of got him to move on. But since 2017, it's been 20 or more homers. He's got 28 or more in each of his last two full seasons. Give you a couple steals here and there, but going to hit you 250 to 260, maybe a little better if he runs hot. He's going to be playing in in, in, the, in New York, which is not the best hitter's ballpark, but that team as a whole is going to be a lot better. So it's going to help him probably in counting stats, if anything, which could be very nice. But Escobar is one of those guys with the multi-position eligibility. He's going on to pick 190 right now. That just kind of it, – it's not a comfortable, like, a for sure pick. But, again, if you like a Ryan McMahon type, I think Escobar has got to be somewhat close to that. He's older, so we've kind of seen what he could peak at. But I think you kind of know what you're going to get with him, which is actually a pretty good ball player. Yeah, um, Escobar is uh, is yeah, he's been solid. Like you know, he had the off season and the shortened season, but a lot of smart people were on him last year and certainly paid dividends. Um, he hits the ball in the air a lot, you know. Um, so the batting average isn't going to be great, but it's not necessarily hurting you because he's not striking out a ton. He's really improved his plate discipline, or he did last year. He was much better there. Um, contact rate is also, um, uh, you know, solid. So he's making plenty of contact. So I don't see anything like outrageous in the profile. You know, uh, he had his highest barrel rate of his career. He had 38 barrels last year. Um, highest max exit velo as well. So like the batted ball quality skills don't de- seem to be dis- diminishing. And then he's got the dual position eligibility, like you mentioned. So I think he's fine. He's solid. The Mets Mets park isn't the best for him, but you know, I was looking through his expected home run by ballpark, and actually he, you know, Arizona was essentially like the worst place he could have been uh, as a hitter. And he would have hit a lot more home runs with the Mets, which, you know, I wouldn't pay a ton ton of attention to that, but I was just checking it out for ballpark factors. So I think he's kind of fine, you know. Um, not going to hurt you anywhere, going to help with power. He's going to hurt you in still steals, I guess, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah he's, he's an interesting pick. I guess one of those, if you kind of miss on third base, not the worst fallback. You, you can do worse things. So it's like, again, you don't have to panic if you don't get one of the big guys. It's like it's like preached over and over. You got to get an early third base. when you Like, you don't have to panic. There's options. There's just the floor can be much scarier which is obvious when you take a later pick that makes sense but these guys is like the outfield outfield four or five you're taking at that point compared to your starting third baseman it, it's it's a difference and that's kind of where you have to like plan your draft out and kind of see where things are going uh, the last guy i'm going to bring up before we do some listener questions on this episode the 15th player third baseman on the player raider kyle seager 14 bucks currently a free agent uh, he has not announced his retirement they had this like seattle basically act like it was a swan song because they are rebuilding but there's been teams rumored to be talking to him. And I think if you're doing early drafts, he's fallen like 288, 290, which I guess isn't falling for Kyle Seager, but a dude that can get 30 plus homers is pretty sweet. Bad average is an issue. There's no sugarcoating that at all, but the power is legit. And if he gets somehow just put on the right ball club, 
like just kind of slides in, slides in somewhere. He could be sneaky nice in a draft, but there's a lot of questions with him. So I understand people not taking the chance right now, but last season was a great year. He's always been a kind of great late round guy, waiver wire guy in the past to fill in for power. I don't see that changing, but uh, there are some question marks elsewhere, but good season for Seager. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the major concern is the batting average. That's, that's kind of where I think the conversation kind of starts and ends. Like he hit 212 last year. He also had, you know, uh, 15.6% home run per fly ball, which was higher than his career um, average. You know, um, he's just an extreme fly ball hitter. So that BABIP and the batting average are always going to be really low. So you're drafting him for power. The thing to, to be cognizant of is, you know, he hit 241, 239 previous seasons. If he were to do that, you know, and contribute that home run power like he did, you know, then that, that would be, that's, that's the dream, right? But, you know, I think that involves him hitting fewer fly balls, uh, maybe not hitting as many home runs. He had 35 home runs and 55 barrels, so it was a decent, you know, and that's one of the things I think that's interesting is he, he had his best batted ball quality season last year, um, despite his age uh, of all the seasons that he had previously. So maybe he figured something out. So I think best case scenario, you know, he gets that 230, that 240 that he's hit in previous seasons. And in today's game, you can kind of handle that if you're in, a, if in, a, in an overall, um, speaking specifically about like an overall, overall competition like the main or, you know, DCs, things like that. But where he's going in drafts, you know, no, this is not a preview episode, but it seems like a really good uh, risk reward there, especially if you can, you know, maybe find somebody on the waiver wire who can contribute a little batting average, you know, um, and, and mix and match. Well, and the beautiful thing is most of these early drafts are DC formatted. So he doesn't have to be your go-to, but like when you know he's going to be playing or whatever, or he's on, he's on a hot streak or you need to just need a body, not the worst body to have out there type situation. So I think he, it just brings, he brings an interesting value, especially at that point in the draft around two eighty ish or so that not a lot of guys are going to bring to you. It's it's pretty nice with him and that sneaky power. Like we always say you can get power on the waiver wire. Well, you can't draft champions. So um, I think that's a nice thing to have there for sure. All right, let's take some listener questions here. We'll start out with Sleepy K. Our buddy Mike Curlin, he came in hot. And everyone's on a tweet. I do see some ADP debates on guys that are close at positions and everything. And I did Brian Hayes and uh, Yoan Moncada because they're basically going to the same pick right now. And um, Yoan Moncada is at 147. Hayes is 149. They're going pretty darn close. And everybody wanted Moncada. Brian Hayes, uh, Mike Curlin. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Mike Curlin says expectations on Hayes this year. A couple of things I want to say before I, I give it over to you. When I talked about player Raider, Austin Hayes or Cabrian Hayes, sorry, Cabrian Hayes, 45th on the player Raider, minus $9.50, which is interesting. I mentioned he's going around pick 149. The thing that's fun about him is he's young, 24, top prospect. He had a down year, he had an injury riddled year. But he brings a power and speed that not many third basements outside of maybe Jose Ramirez could bring to a team. So it's do you gamble on the ceiling or do you are you concerned with what is it, it is what it is situation? That's what's fun. But what's your thoughts on Cabrian Hayes? Because looking at Steamer, it's kind of an in between of last season and maybe a ceiling situation. Yeah, I'm really interested in Cabrian Hayes. Um, I think there's injury issues there, and if you don't listen to the launch angle podcast with Rob Silver, Jeff Zimmerman and, and Manly Van Lee. Um, they had a really good discussion just about like 
the injury situation there with Hayes, he had an injured wrist throughout the season. So if he recuperates and he's healthy, you know, he could be in for a monster year, but it seems like it could be a lingering issue or an issue that he's had repeatedly throughout his career. So I think that's the major question. And so it's one of those ones where you can't really tell, I think until spring training and you got, you get to see him live to see how he's doing. And we have an injury update to really get an idea, but if he's healthy, uh, I'd be all over for Brian Hayes going right here. Like even last year, he had 14 barrels. He only hit six home runs. So he was underperforming there. He played like half a season, essentially most of it injured. He still almost put up, you know, 10, 10 home runs or 10 stolen bases, you know, I think if you get a full season out of him, I think you're looking at a potentially, you know, 2020 guy, um, which would be, you know, uh, which would be really good. Or at least like a 15, 15 guy where from this spot for a guy who makes a decent amount of contact, doesn't strike out, hits a lot of ground balls. The batting average should be decent. He's fast. You know, all of those things I think play in his favor. So I'm really interested in Cabrian Hayes. I just think it's a question of health. So if I was in a DC, maybe right now, like maybe I don't go after him depending on where he is in the draft. But as the season progresses, if, it, if he looks healthy in spring training, if all the reports are good about his wrist, you know, and there isn't, they don't expect, anticipate any lingering effects. Like here's a 25 year old guy in his prime with speed and some pop and some nice batted ball quality metrics and an overall solid profile with a little bit of upside if you can get that ground ball right down. So I like, I like Cabrian Hayes, Hayes a lot, and I'm definitely interested in him if he's healthy. Yeah, Hayes is a guy I've been really heavy on the last couple of years, like not drafting, but heavy on interested in other guys. There's always people in your draft that, are, that like Hayes a lot. So if you want him, you kind of have to go get him. That's why I'm kind of surprised where he's being drafted right now. I think uh, that'll change as we get closer to the season, barring – something weird, but um, I'm with you. Like we even saw it in his, in his early production time in his rookie season, the hard, the hard hit skills are pretty darn evident. Like the dude could hit the baseball and hit it well. And we've seen in the minors and I'll never forget when James Anderson was on one of my shows, I think before Hayes's rookie season, he said, Hayes is one of his top like rookies, their prospects to look at this year. Cause he legit thinks he's got like 2020 or better upside, which is outstanding to find. Like, if you can get 20-20 from a third baseman after even pick 150, let's just say he goes from 179 to 150-ish area, 140. 20-20 from a third baseman at that point is pretty freaking awesome. So, um, it's like – and that's just maybe gets a hot streak and gets 25-20, and now you're getting closer to Manny Machado stuff with more stolen bases. Like, it's just the little things that can tweak. He's 24 years old. Are you buying on the come-up? That's, that's the fun part with him. And so, it'll be really intriguing to see how things continue to change as the draft season comes up. But – if you are a Brian Hayes guys, this is one of the reasons that you do want to draft early because you get him now at a discount. He's not going to go this cheap later on. There's other reasons not to draft early, obviously, but uh, he's one of those guys. We always say there's a, a group of guys you can try to get value on. I, I personally feel he's a guy you can get value on right now. All right. Our buddy Ryan Roof from Rotowire has a question for us. Is third base really as shallow as it seems? I think I'll be much more comfortable with the position of guys like Bregman, Hayes, Rendon, demonstrate that they're healthy in a few months until then are you pushing up jram devers machado so you're not stuck with a matt chapman or a eugenio suarez type i think we kind of said it's it's not really fun deep but there's stuff there that you don't have to panic situation but i guess the to the crux of his question are you looking to get a guy early to be comfortable are you okay going later 
Um, I think I'm fine either way. I mean, there are some guys that are jumping out at me. Like we didn't cover Bregman. I think Bregman's really interesting where he's going right now. The more and more I think about it, the more I like DJ LeMayhew for next year. Um, just with the position out multi-position eligibility at third base with what he brings to the table. I think that he's great. You know, we talked about Cabrian Hayes a little bit. There's Luis Urias. I think there's guys available later on that obviously have some concerns, but my concern, just looking at what is happening and also out of our demodesty, like if he's going around pick 52, when drafts come up, you know, later on, I definitely would have to think of that because I know the injury concerns are there. But if that guy, like last year was kind of a worst case scenario. I mean, obviously the worst case scenario is he doesn't play at all. But, and I know people are like, oh, you don't want a half a season from a guy. Like that doesn't make it easy. I'd take half a season from Adam Montesi and whoever else I could throw in there. Bingo. And they could still be like an incredibly valuable guy. And so I think he's a really interesting, um, he's really interesting there and obviously presents all the usual problems about, you know, team construction. But um, he's interesting there. I think that there's some guys early on that I like, like Machado, I still like where he's going right now, especially if he falls a little bit later, which I bet he will because he's just a little boring. That's what happened last year. Like he, he became available later than uh, he had in previous drafts, but I'm kind of leaning towards waiting and, and taking maybe a later guy. Um, I think that that's fine. Like there's just a lot of very serviceable, going to play every single day guys. I mean, Eugenio Suarez is a really interesting one because he had just this awful, awful year last year for most of the season. And then he absolutely smashed towards the end of the season. And so when the he question went back to is, base. <laughs> well, yeah. And so he hit 198 for the year, which is awful, but he also hit 31 home runs, 71 runs, 79 RBI. And that's with a 286 OBP, right? So if he figured out something towards the end of last year, which I'll need to dive into a little bit, you know, then he becomes a remarkably interesting guy, like going where he's going. And also a lot of the threats, I think, to his playing time, you know, like with, with the Reds, just like moving on from everybody. I don't know if those will necessarily be there in the same way. Um, if there's the DH in the NL, again, you have a situation where it frees him up for some, some batting. And so you know, I, going after pick 200, it's a really interesting guy to think about too. So you know, I think there's some interesting guys going later. If I had to predict right now, I'd say I'd probably be fine waiting because, yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, like I said earlier, um, I've I want J Ram if I can, but I think he's just that much of a like step up, and the the dollars say it. Like he's going back to the player radar, and obviously this will maybe doesn't translate year to year, but we've kind of seen it with J Ram. I I wish I would have saved the tweet. There was a tweet that showed. B war and F war for third base over like the last four or five years. And J Ram was like one or two in each of them for like each season. That's pretty tough to follow. I guess he had 50, almost 51 bucks last year, almost as much as Vlad. The next third baseman was Devers at 39. So you have about a like 12 to $13 difference. That doesn't seem like much to some. That's a big difference. That's a, like a, the law. That's a lot going on there. So I liked it. I like him. I like Devers. I like Machado. But I'm trying new things to see how it feels elsewhere because the more you that's the way that's the reason why I love drafting early is you start getting senses of the player pool, you start seeing things and how drafts flow. And I'm not as bad thing, okay. I'll go get McMahon, yeah. Eduardo Escobar is not my ideal thing, but hey, he'll work, it works. Like Bregman's falling, you mentioned there's there's other guys, Chapman. Like, I still believe there's something there with Chapman, he was so hurt last year. I still 
you can't only hit the ball that hard and not be successful for so long. I could be wrong. I need to look more maybe. But there's guys is what I'm trying to say. It's not as – it's not a sexy position. It's not a shortstop. It's not some of these other guys. But I think it's deeper than you think. And I think if you know the player pool, the more you draft, maybe taking that outfielder in the first round is much more beneficial than getting that third baseman. Maybe taking that extra short – that shortstop because there's so many good ones up top. Maybe that's better. So, something like that. There's there's ways to see how it works. Uh, maybe you know Toby goes and takes uh, JT Realmuto in round one. I don't know, but there there's options for these things. There's options, and that's the beauty of kind of figuring out what the player pulls. So basically, long winded way of saying, I don't think you have to go early. I get it. I'm not against it. I do think there's more depth than we're giving it credit for. It just might not be the, like I said, it might have a farther floor in depth compared to other positions, but there's depth. So that's kind of where I'm intrigued by it. Uh, the next question kind of ties in with this, but our buddy Ben Ted had a question. We hinted at it earlier. Are either of you okay with JRAM at 1.01? I'll say yes. Ryan Roof, who just had the previous question, I drafted in a 50 with him, and if you see 50, took him number one. I have no problem with that at all. Like I prefer Trey Turner. I've said it many times, but I don't have a problem with it. If that's if you're if you're that strong on third feeling about third base, zero problem with it. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I have no problem with it either. I think he's fine there. Yeah. Uh, I figure, like I said earlier, I'm pretty sure it'll be an easy answer, but uh, that's where it is. Our buddy Dave Petroziello says, it appears as though me setting KDS for 10 and getting JRAM is over. That is correct, Dave. Now I have to decide if I want to set it for four to six in the main to try and get him when I usually like to draft further back in the first. Can you see the case for him one overall? Because I can. Yeah, we agree. We just said one overall. Um, I think you need, if you want JRAM or someone else, you need to be like a top five pick. That's the way I see it personally, because that's, he's going high in almost every draft I've seen. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the only question will be if, if what happened has happened in the past happens this March, which I don't necessarily think it's, it's a given, but with starting pitchers moving up, you know, generally they go higher in the mains, but at the same time, like we've never really had a situation where, starting pitchers are just so much the, let me just, uh, I'm not playing. So like the first starting pitcher, like Garrett Cole is the seventh player off the board as the number one starting pitcher. And then, you know, Corbin Burns is eighth. We've never really had a situation, at least in recent memory, where that's the case. Like there's always been like a DeGrom and Cole from last year or even the year before that. Like there's always guys going really high up. Max Scherzer. You know, and so it'll be interesting to see whether those guys push up and open up space for a guy like J-Ram. Because I think what will happen, right, we'll have Trey Turner, you'll have uh, Tatis, and we'll be closer to the season. So there'll be more, it'll be more clear cut, like what his injury situation is, you know. And then it's just kind of like a little bit of a scramble between those next guys. But, um, you know, with Soto and Bichette and, and Ramirez. So I think if you want to get him. Yeah, I mean, you got to be like number three, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, yeah the, number one is fine. The first uh, OC just happened, I believe, on Wednesday, maybe Tuesday. And here's your top picks. It went Turner, Tatis Jr., J-Ram went third. Juan Soto, four, Bichette, five. The first pitcher is technically Shohei Otani at seven, but Garrett Cole went nine, Corbin Burns went ten. So, like Colin Burns to me is the two first pitchers off the board in uh, in that because I don't think I wouldn't be you know Tommy as a pitcher personally, but I guess you could if you believe you can play that game back and forth. But um, what I did 
notice Greg Jewett uh, put it out there. I believe it was 10 closers in the first 50 picks. It was like, I think 17 or 18, maybe more in the first 100. It was a crazy number. Like go go check out Greg Jewett's Twitter. Um, closers went early. Let's put it that way. Like they were flying off the boards in that draft. But moral of the story, Jerry went in that. Think about it. Our buddy, Big Johnny L, MLB moving averages. Great dude. Uh, go check out his YouTube page if you guys have. He's doing player breakdowns and stuff there. And at worst, if you've missed your morning coffee, just go watch his YouTube page. You'll be pumped and ready to roll because he's got the energy of a god. But um, he says, Anthony Rendon, Yohan Moncada, Matt Chapman. Who makes the big comeback in 2022? Um, Man, if I had to bet on anybody, I mean, I think I'd probably say Rendon, although you know, I'm not – I don't know where he's going exactly in drafts. Um, I think the thing with Rendon is I think the only question I have with Rendon is health. Mm-hmm. Like if he's playing, I think Rendon is going to be very good. Rendon. That's obviously a major question with like recurring injuries, but we've also had two consecutive years of him like essentially missing most of the season. Yeah. And so, you know, I like, I like his chances to be um, a little bit more healthy. Whereas with Chapman, like there's some talent and there's also some, he's not going to give you stolen bases. He's never been a high average guy. So you're really looking at just like kind of home runs, runs RBI. And then Moncada, honestly don't know what to tell you about Moncada. It's it's tough, man. Yeah. I mean, he's just dropped off. I mean, like last year, I think we were all expecting him to just kind of like take off. But there's nothing really encouraging at all about Moncada. Like I'm just, I just fail to see what's interesting about him. Like he's, he's lost a lot of his like the power, and it's just weird. It's I don't even know what to say about Moncada. But he's kind of a guy in the middle that doesn't really give you anything. Like he hasn't stolen the last two seasons. Like. He does hasn't hit it for power the last two seasons. He's only hit for batting average once in his entire career at this point. Like it's just kind of a little bit of like, what is Yamakata? Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, it's interesting because yeah, we all kind of said, oh, the COVID, you know, we'll let it kind of go. This kind of stuff. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough with Mankata for sure. Um, the kind of things I'm looking at is Rendon. I still don't feel great with. I actually just took him in a fan tracks best ball that I, I run the beat bubble ones I talked about a couple of weeks ago. And I did it there for the specific reason that it's points based, it's best ball, and you don't get multi position on fan tracks. So I needed a third mm-hmm. baseman badly. So that's a different. Thank you, Nick Pollock. I love you too. Wow. Um, Nick, Nick Pollock is calling out the mic. You have a new mic. Yeah, I got it a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty nice. It, I feel more wow. free. I feel more free with my hands and stuff. I can talk with my hands. It's, it's very, very nice. So, um, with a yeah. boom, the boomstick. Yep, yep. it's kind of nice. I can sit here and play with it and do all kinds of stuff. You should attach a phone. You could do selfies. I, cool. There we go. I should have got a selfie stick. We'd be, this we'd is be me. Business. This is me recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Rendon, it's just I don't trust the health, but I could see the bounce back there. Where Mancada, it's so lost, like you said. It's like. He's only 26. That'd be like you said, I can't find anything good. To me, he's still only 26. Like we talk about, like if you go read the forecaster and everything, guys, you know, prime years and all this good stuff. To me, there's still hope. 
like you look his launch angle dropped maybe he gets elevated a little more but you're you're grasping at straws you are so it's tough but like i still want to have hope because that lineup's so darn good so darn good like if if anything can click in that lineup that's gonna be a monstrous season so it's tough it's really tough but um last but not least chapman again the hard hit skills are great it's not gonna run so if you got to pick one of the three i guess rendon but i don't love it i don't love it at all like that's a tough three i'm sorry johnny l i'm sorry but that's a i get the question the biggest thing is you asked where they're going um rendon's going at 116 moncada 147 and uh chapman won almost 200 so that's another reason why it's hard for me to get rendon because at that point in the draft do i want to take a gamble on rendon where i can go gamble elsewhere i know he didn't ask the question i can go get ryan mcmahon 90 picks later like it's just it's just it's tough to go grab and rendon at that point in time so sorry johnny not the answer you're probably looking for but that's it's it's tricky without knowing the health of rendon at all it's real tricky uh charlie's ch4 arlies asks expectations and thoughts on chris bryant we kind of gave those a second ago he's number seven on the list how big of a drop off rise how much of a drop off or rise for his ranking will his next team have is 2016 2019 more of an aberration in a career year um so we kind of gave our thoughts on chris bryant already we're good there he's got a second part of the question what is the reason for uh, everyone being so low on josh donaldson injuries injuries and age that's me at least yeah, uh, that, I would agree with Donaldson. I mean, I think let's let's just take a take a peek though. So, 543 play appearances last year. You know, played only got 102 plate appearance in the shortened season. You know, then 659, then 219. So essentially, like over the last you know, over the last four seasons, he has 1500 play appearances. You know, so I think that's the major concern, and I think a lot of people like. You know, like people, the steamer projection has Donaldson as a huge value, but it also has him as, at 606 plate appearances. And so that's going to be the major question is whether he can do that. Um, you know, he's 36, but, you know, I, I don't mind him. I don't, I don't know where he's going in drafts right now, but where is he? He's going around pick 222. I think that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not yeah. bad. It's like just for fun, him or Eugenio Suarez. Oh man, that's a good question. I think I'll try Josh Donaldson, but it's it, it, it's it's a it's a conversation for sure. It's yeah, I might go Donaldson it's too. Tough. I'm just I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Suarez also has the the dual position eligibility, which is really nice. I know it's shortstop, but man, I, I look um, at more. I look at it more as it's middle infield. It fills yeah. up a couple different spots for me. Where if things get south, like that's big to me. Like really big. Like sure, you could, like there's the old first base outfield or something, which is nice. But if you can get first base, like or a corner, a middle, a middle infield, and a corner infield, so you can kind of cover four positions. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice to have. Yeah, I'd go Donaldson. I think. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Uh, next up on the agenda, our buddy MS at SMMS seventy nine asks. Even more than second base, I feel like locking third base in is my biggest concern early on this draft season. Seems like third base is full of torpedoes that would sink your season. Second base is just mediocre. Kind of goes to the point of the floors might be lower on some of these guys if you're, if you're risking it, but you got chances. Um, but his question is, do you think Josh Jun, Jung of the Texas Rangers 
gets an early call up. Can you see that going both ways? I do. I think if things are going okay in spring, I think he might start the season at third base. But at worst, I, I personally think he's coming up early because I think the CBA stuff's a big part of uh, getting these young guys without all the, the BS behind it. And if that gets settled, the Rangers have zero reason to keep one of their best hitting prospects in the minor leagues. That's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, Steamer has him at 270, 16 home runs in, in, three, in 394 plate appearances, you know, which is pretty good, right? Puts him slightly above 20 and with a plus batting average. You know, um, things that I'm always concerned about. I mean, number one is, yeah, you he's got to be he's got to be brought into into the big leagues. Um, he's on the Rangers. You know, even though they've added some good players. Uh, they're still not good. And I'd say they're, still they've got a very thin – what's that? They're still the Rangers. <laughs> they're still the Rangers. And so – and they also probably bat him pretty deep deep in the lineup, I think, kind of protect him, take a little bit of pressure off of him. So so I really don't know. I mean, you know, he's a prospect. Um, he seems to have a fine projection. So I, I, I just really don't know. All righty, our buddy Mike. Carter, the doctor, is in the house. How high should he move up Austin Riley? Uh, not higher than where he's going right now. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Because, yeah, he's the I mean, fourth off, fifth off the board at 56. Give or take. Yeah, he's, he's at 56. My spreadsheet has him at, I think, like 72, 75. Um, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's all about, like, a team construction conversation. Because if you're drafting him at 50 – you know, you've also got to get your starting pitchers there and you've got to get your speed and you got to get your batting average, which he kind of helps with. So that's a little bit of a, of a boost. So it's just, yeah, like, is he that special? Maybe. Yeah, that's the big question. As, uh, Mike's other question is what we expect from you on Moncada. We kind of just talked about it. It's it's a whole lot of what is going on with you on Moncada to really expect it like uh totally 100 right that there's a lot of questions and a lot of nothing looks good i'm trying to like give any slice of optimism but like i said it's pulling at straws so like if you had to say right now obviously with a lot of time to kind of digest it some more as we go on what are you kind of expecting from your own i have no interest in your own right now there you go and what there, am i there, expecting like there. i mean mediocrity in pretty Steve much every single, ca- yeah. every single category Steber's got 21 homers and like four stolen bases. Draft, draft Ryan McMahon. <laughs> That's going to be the slogan of this podcast. If I had, if I titled my podcast more, it'd be Draft Ryan McMahon. That'd be the name of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with a lot of these guys is we're looking at their full body of work from last year. So what I need to do is dig into like, maybe Mankata had like some skill changes or some skill growth in the second half of last season. You know, um, but absent that, I'm not really interested because he doesn't really bring anything that I need. You know, it's like he's not really bringing me batting average. He's not really bringing me stolen bases. So I'm relying on the full package, which is like pretty mediocre across the board. I, I just can't really get into that. And he could easily prove me wrong because you know we've seen how good he can be in the past. But I'm just not going to bet on it. Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, Matt Goodwin uh, asks Josh Jung outlook for 2022. We kind of talked to him briefly. It's tough to know how long he's up for. I think he's early. Um, if he is early, 
I'd say 20 to 25 homers with a good batting average. That'd be maybe like closer to 25 homers with a good batting average. That's if he's up early. We don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Not really. I mean, um, I would ask people, I would ask the prospect people, and I don't say that to be like, you know, don't ask us prospect questions because we also need to know about prospects, but it's just, there's just so many question marks and um, you know, the scouting reports are there, the projections are there. And so it's our, so I think you just have to think about like, okay, if this is what the project most likely outcome is, you know, how long do I think he's going to be up? You know, is that a profile that I really want? And it seems like a decent profile with a good batting average, you know, and the power seems to be the one tool that's a little limited uh, based on what I've seen very briefly. You know, he has never really hit for power in the minors. You know, so that's one thing you got to be cautious of. He's not really giving you stolen bases, but he could be really good. You know, we've seen guys come up to the big leagues and just smash. So we've also seen them suck. Just a higher, 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 higher variance in outcomes that we could see from him. Most definitely. Uh, our last question of the evening: Whole Camels at Daily underscore Phil asks favorite third base targets past pick two hundred. There's actually quite a few if you're willing to take some chances. That's all I'm going to say. But who are some guys that stand out to you? Oh man, past pick two hundred. I mean, Josh Donaldson is one that people mentioned. Um, you know, that we talked a little bit about before. I think that, um, Abraham Toro is a little interesting to me. I got to dive in a little bit more deep, deeply there, but just what he was able to show towards the back end of last season, I think people, I, I was always really interested with him in him because he was a guy where like the peripherals look really nice, but the, the product on the field, like what he was producing, never really caught up to it. And we started to see a little bit of the, the possibilities there with the Mariners. Um, and the dual position eligibility. I think Kyle Seeger is kind of boring, old. Um, I think Hunter Dozier is kind of interesting because he seemed to get healthy Big second time. half and, and improved. I'm a huge sucker for Brian Anderson of the Marlins. He pretty much missed all of last season. Um, but if he can come back and he can be healthy, he gives you batting average, a little bit of power, you know, in the, in the middle of that lineup. So he could be, he could be interesting for sure. Um, you know, there are guys like that. Hasim Kim is interesting if he gets a real shot at playing on a regular basis. He seemed to improve as the year progressed last year. So those are some names that kind of jump out at me a little bit as interest, but I need to dive in a little bit deeper on those guys. Yeah, I like those guys. I really am curious of looking more at Toro because I like what I saw there from him. Uh, I just want to see if it's more of a, if it can be a consistent thing with him. I am interested in Josh Jung, especially if he gets to play every day. I think he'd obviously going a lot higher if that's the case, but he intrigues me. Uh, Dozier's one of my favorite guys at this point in the draft. Epic 334-ish. I like him a lot for what he can bring to your team. He's He runs more than people. Like, he came into last year saying he wanted to run more. He was hurt early on. Like you mentioned, he got healthy and started playing well towards the end, started running, and hit for power. And he, he hits the ball. His hard hit skills are great. So I like Dozer a lot. Uh, two older guys I'm really intrigued with. Um, I know Mike Moustakis has been injured a lot, but he can still hit the snot of the baseball. He's in Great American Small Park. So pick 380-ish is intriguing to me to kind of take a dive in on him. And, and and see what he has. Evan Longoria is boring, but you want to tell you said Kyle Seager is a boring old guy. So is Evan Longoria doesn't play a ton, but when he plays, he's been raking with the Giants. So uh, if like on DCs and stuff, I think Longo is a phenomenal pick at third base. If you're kind of wondering if you're good enough at third base, he's a good like late filler for you. And then um, there there are more, but one guy I'm going to mention that I'm going to dive in a lot more on because some very very smart people have discussed him. 
and he might not get the start at third base, but these smart people feel he should get the start at third base for the Blue Jays, and that's Santiago Espinal. So um, I need to go look at him a lot more because I know – Kyle Seager, Blue Jays. There you go. That's one of the rumors, that, and then that's when all the people said, no, 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 Espinal, Espinal. Espinal's young, though, so it's one of those, like, people, they might just be like, yeah, he can wait and we'll go, but that's a guy I'm curious about. He's going after pick 500, so he's an option for you as well. But all right, Toby, that'll wrap up our third base review uh, at uh, for 2021 once again. Uh, any final thoughts as we head into the holiday weekend and uh, hopefully some more fun for everybody? Uh, nope, I don't think so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a happy holidays. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to have a show next week. So Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Um, if you don't, hope you get a little bit of break off. Um, happy New Year. We're heading into 2022. Um, as always, really appreciate everybody listening and, and following and engaging and, and looking forward to the fantasy baseball season in uh, in 2022. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, thank you all for listening to another year of our uh, blabbering about fantasy baseball. We truly appreciate it. Uh, Toby and I do it because we love doing it. And we like to talk to each other. So it's it's fun, but we appreciate you guys listening. It makes it even more appealing for us to do this. But I uh, hope you guys do have happy holidays, Christmas, whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. Enjoy your time off, hopefully. Uh, with friends, family, and being safe and all. Avoid the weather like Toby and I are going to try to do. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back with you guys in the new year in 2022. So have a, a fun week or so. And uh, start reading your books. All the books are out, folks. Any book you want. Forecasters, Processes, Black Books, FTN, you name it, they're out there. SP Streamer, they're all available. So get your books. Get to studying. Football season's almost over. So it's about go time, folks, because I still believe the season's happening. So I'm not I'm not down the deep end just yet. But uh, we'll see come later on. But everybody, you guys have a good one. And uh, we'll catch you guys in 2022. But this was another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 106. Catch you all later. That's going to wrap us up for episode 202 of the podcast, in addition number 106 of Bubba and the Bat Flip. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, an interesting conversation. Third base is really intriguing. I know people seem to really be pushing those third basemen up. Uh, I may be inclined to, to hang out a little bit, uh, to wait a little bit. I think there are some interesting names going later on. Uh, not to say that some of those top-end names for third base, like Machado and, um, and J-Ram, obviously, Endeavors, are, are really solid picks as well. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyways, happy holidays, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Best of luck with all of those holiday desserts. Take care and be kind to one another.